joy. Lord, thank you for this time that we have right now to open your word, to hear you speak to us, to listen to these ancient yet so relevant stories. God, help us to hear you today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was 13 years old, my brother and I walked into a movie theater. We had no idea about this film. We simply liked sports. We heard it was a sports film. And uh, we sat down there and got real dark as it does. And then all of a sudden, you could hear the trumpets sound. And you could see the, uh, the screen that was black have these white block letters. Rocky zoomed across the screen. It came out in 1976, celebrating our nation's birthday. And Rocky, spoiler alert, Rocky is the story about a down-and-out club fighter named Rocky Balboa. His nickname is the Italian Stallion, who gets an opportunity of a lifetime to fight the heavyweight champion of the world, Apollo Creed. Now, this movie that came out of nowhere from an unknown writer, director, and actor by the name of Sylvester Stallone has become embedded into the consciousness and into the story of our nation. It is truly one of the most influential movies in the last 100 years, no doubt about it. I don't know how many times I've seen Rocky or excerpts. Now they're like, I think, I don't know, Gabe, about a Rocky 95, is that where we're at? We've had so many renditions of it. But I've thought to myself, why is that? Why do we connect with Rocky on such a deep level? Well, some of us could say, well, you know, it's your quintessential guy film. It's about fighting. And, and every man was born for a fight. We need to fight. Perhaps it's the fighting. Maybe it is. Maybe that's why it stuck around so long. I don't know. Others would say, no, it's the training scene, right? Nothing expire, uh, inspires you more to get in shape and to lose weight than old Rocky, who was way out of shape, who couldn't do anything with those gray warm-up pants, trying to jog down the streets of Philadelphia, eating those delicious raw eggs, drinking them in that glass, Right, having old Mickey, his trainer, yell at him, trying to get into shape. Maybe it's the training and the triumph of finally climbing those steps in Philadelphia and raising his hands up. Maybe it's that. Others would say, no, that's not why Rocky has lasted so long. Rocky has lasted so long, Ben, come on, you idiot. It's a love story. Yo, Adrian, right? That's 
why Rocky sticks. He falls in love with this girl, Adrian. He's working in a pet store. She's hiding behind these glasses and this hat, and he falls in love with her. He fights for her. It's the love story, right? That's why we connect with this. That's why it's so iconic. That's why after decades and decades when you're flipping around, we'll all pause a little bit on Rocky. Well, those are some valid reasons. Perhaps they're right. But I want to argue that the reason Rocky is such an enduring story is because it is a comeback story. And everybody loves a comeback story. Just when you think all is lost, just when you think there's no way someone can make it, boom, they make a dramatic, life-changing, inspiring, hope-filling comeback. Everybody loves a comeback story. Perhaps you're here today saying, man, I need a comeback story in my life. Again, we're on Rocky 95. There are more than one comeback stories in our life. Or maybe I'm praying for someone I know for a comeback story. What does that look like? What are the ingredients involved in a comeback story? If you have a Bible, open your Bible to the book of 2 Corinthians. When I get to heaven, and if I have an opportunity to talk to Paul, which I don't know if I will or not, he's probably in an entirely different zip code and country than I will be. I would say to him, respectfully, Paul, you never should have written this letter, 2 Corinthians. The Corinthians were a bunch of goobers. They were a bunch of haters. They were criticizers. And no matter what you said in this book to defend yourself, they were simply not going to listen. But then I'll say, I'm glad you wrote it. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. So, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 following. Three times. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. There have been libraries full of books and dissertations trying to figure out what the it was. What was Paul's thorn on the flesh? We don't know. But we do know that he asked God over and over and over again, God, please Take this away from me. Take away this hardship. Take away this ongoing chronic pain. God, take it away. Verse 9. But God said, Christ said to me, basically no, but my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, 
I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. Paul gives us some insight to what a comeback story looks like. The ingredients, if you would, to a comeback story. First of all, we see in a comeback story, comeback stories always hinge on the ability to see the problem as an opportunity. A comeback story hinges on the ability to see a problem, to see a painful situation as an opportunity. Rocky, if you remember, going back to the story, another spoiler alert, sorry, movie's been out a million years. Rocky, his whole deal was he was going nowhere. He was a club fighter. He was a lone sharker. And Apollo Creed gave him this incredible opportunity. At first he said, no, I don't want to take it. And then something inside of him clicked, says, no, I'm going to take this opportunity. And then he realized the night before the fight, there's no way I can beat Apollo Creed. He is the greatest. He was kind of a Muhammad Ali kind of character, if you remember. There's no way. But all I want to do is to go the distance. All I want to do is to prove for once in my life that I'm not just another bum from the neighborhood. All I want to do is be standing after 15 rounds. So something clicked inside of Rocky. Something clicked that made him realize this problem that I have of being down and out and people name calling me and it looks like my life is going nowhere. This is actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Paul saw this as an opportunity. Paul saw this thorn in the flesh, th these hardships, this painful situation as an opportunity for God to do something in his life. So we can see that Paul changed from God, take it away. God, take it away. God, change them, change my circumstances. God, Paul switched from God, take it away to God's teaching me something here. This is an opportunity, Paul said, to trust. This is an opportunity to experience God's power and God's grace in a horrific, difficult, painful situation. He saw the problem, the pain that wouldn't go away as an opportunity to experience the grace and power of God. That's not easy to do. That's incredibly difficult to do. And we don't go searching out for pain. We don't go searching out for problems. We don't go searching out for hardships. But when they happen, 
our prayer over time should be, God, help me to see this as an opportunity to experience your power and grace in this moment. Comeback stories. You know them. You see them. They, they start, they hinge with that ability to see the problem as an opportunity. What else about comeback stories can we learn here? Comeback stories happen when we do the hard work behind the scenes. Scholars believe that Paul, who wrote this letter, 2 Corinthians, was around 30 when he had that Damascus Road experience. He went from being a persecutor of Christians to becoming one, and he was blinded by the light, and he was called out when he was around 30 years of age. And then he was martyred under Nero in around 60, 64 AD, we believe. So we can see he had around, what, 34 years to learn how to follow Christ. But what we don't talk about a lot, we get hints of this in the book of Galatians, that Paul had a period that we believe of nine years. Nine years after the Damascus Road experience where Paul lived in utter obscurity, where Paul prayed, where Paul learned, where Paul studied the Scripture year after year when no one was watching and God spoke to him and God led him for nine years. Let's say nine years together. Nine years. I know it's hot. Let's try it again. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. He spent praying. Nine years he spent preparing. Nine years he spent getting up early, praying, going to work, doing his thing, waiting to see what God would do next. Hard work. Behind the scenes. Remember old Joseph, coat of many colors? had the great dream, man, I'm going to make you a great leader, Joseph. What happened to Joseph? He was sold into slavery, taken to a foreign country, had to learn a new language, a new way, was, was a servant in a household, got accused of uh, sexual harassment, was thrown into prison. He spent years, years, not knowing where his life was going, not knowing what was happening next, not having any connection, any co encouragement. He found himself forgotten in a prison years. But he kept trusting God. He knew God was with him. He did the hard work behind the scenes. So if we're going to be a part of a comeback story. We have to learn how to obey God in the dark. 
obey God in the dark. Long obedience in the same direction when no one is looking, when no one is clapping, when you don't know what the end result will be, we continue to follow him in the dark. We do the hard work when no one is looking. Now, in Rocky, we got to see that, right? That's inspirational. We got to see him get up early. We, we got to see him guzzle those raw eggs down his throat. We got to see him run those streets and do that training and all that. But a lot of times, we don't see that. We don't see the rehab. We don't see the chemo. We don't see all the things that happen behind the scenes that allow someone to have a comeback story. Comeback stories hinge. They hinge on the ability to see a, a problem as an opportunity. Comeback stories always involve doing the hard work behind the scenes, obeying God in the dark. Also, comeback stories help us find hope when we're down and out. When we're down and out, when we're lying on the canvas, where we're wondering, should I get back up? Should I stay in this fight? We, we have to put a comeback story in front of us, don't we, to give us hope. As we're perhaps creating our own comeback story, we need to have a, a placard or something in front of us that will give us hope, that will give us courage. So we keep comeback stories, other comeback stories before us as we're involved in our own comeback. I mean, we can go through the Bible, come on, right? Time and time again, right? Moses is born into luxury in Egypt, and then he commits a murder and a crime, and he runs away. His life is over. He's on the lamb. He's hiding out, and God calls him, Moses, go back and deliver my people. Moses does that. He receives the Ten Commandments, one of the greatest leaders of all time. Moses is a comeback story. Samson, long hair, strength, leader, loses it all. Has his hair chopped off, thrown into prison. He's in the dark, but somehow he prays and prays and prays, and his hair started to grow back and he ends his life in a moment of triumph. Samson, comeback, story. Peter, the rock, the original Rocky, the leader of the disciples. Lord, I'll never forsake you. They may all run and hide. I'm not going to do that. You are the Messiah. Betrayed Christ three times in the red zone. But Christ restored him. Christ said, Rock, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. I forgive you. Go out there. And he goes on in weeks ahead to preach one of the most dynamic sermons ever delivered. And thousands come to know God in Christ. Peter's story is a comeback story. Mary Magdalene, a comeback story. We go on and on. 
find a comeback story in God's Word that you connect with, that speaks to you, one that you can go back to over and over and over again, that gives you hope to get up off the canvas, hope to get back in the game, hope to get back in the fight and to carry on. Comeback stories, you have to put them before you. God specializes in comeback stories. Isn't that great? You know, as you look around you here today, you're surrounded by people with incredible comeback stories. Incredible comeback stories. The comeback from amazing odds were stacked against them. And God did a tremendous work in their life and they saw this as an opportunity for growth and to experience His grace and they've done the hard work in the dark when no one's looking. And they give hope to all of us. God specializes in, in comeback stories and really the the gospel is a comeback story, isn't it? Isn't the gospel a comeback story? You know, it's interesting. I was re-watching Rocky One, and I noticed something that I'd never noticed before. And that is, it does open up with that dramatic music. Bill Conti, I think, was the guy who did the music, right? And, and the words Rocky are across the scene, screen. But the first image in that movie is an icon of Jesus Christ. I think I brought it up here. See if you can pull that up. So yeah, check that out. So the first image in, in, in the movie is this icon. It starts off with that icon of Christ, and then it kind of pans down, and you realize you're not in a church but you're in this smelly, dirty, old boxing arena, okay? So that church or that place is in East L.A. And in 1924, it was converted from a church, probably an Eastern Orthodox church. It was converted from a church to a boxing arena. Oscar de la Hoya trained there as he, when he was a kid. So it's really interesting that Sylvester Stallone chose to begin the movie with this icon of Christ. And as you pan down, there's that word, resurrection. Not bad for an unknown writer, right? What was he saying? He's saying the story you're about to see is a resurrection story. The gospel is a comeback story. It's the story of God come down to earth and his son. Everybody starts speaking and pushing back against him. He is innocent. He is perfect. But he is taken up and put on a 
cross. He is crucified. It looks like all is done. It looks like that he has been KO'd by the religious leaders. He's been KO'd by the politicians. He's been KO'd by the devil himself. But on that third day, he had a comeback, right? He had a comeback. He came back from the dead alive and appeared to his followers and to over 500 eyewitnesses, including Paul, who used to be a skeptic, who used to be a hater of Christians. The gospel is a comeback story. Christ comes back from the impossible death itself that we might know God, that we might experience his grace, that we, by his spirit, may also be a part of comeback stories. And the good news is, he's coming back again. He's coming back. He's coming back to set things right He's coming back to bring peace. He's coming back to reunite the heavens and the earth. It's a comeback story. The gospel. It's a comeback story. When you fall, when you feel afraid, when you feel like you're flat on your face, we look up and we see Christ. And we know what he is overcoming by his power. He can help us get off the mat, get off the camp, the canvas, and move forward with him. You know, I've had many comeback stories in my life that inspires me. Um, but one is... Uh, from a lady that many of you have heard of before. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. And Johnny now lives in uh, Calabasas, California with her husband. Uh, if you're following anybody from Calabasas, you should follow her, okay? Okay. Parents, ask your children and grandchildren about that joke. You should follow her. When she was uh, 17 years old, she grew up in the East and she rode horses, she liked hiking and tennis, but she went swimming in the Chesapeake Bay and she dove in the water and, and uh, broke her neck. So she became a quadriplegic, brutal, difficult story. She dealt for years in rehabilitation with anger, depression, suicide, doubting God, everything. But something happened in occupational therapy, if you recall Johnny's story. She learned to paint and draw with her mouth. She, she would put a pen and pencil and she started to, to draw with her, with her mouth, and she could produce beautiful works of art through just that movement of her head. And that gave her hope to live. 
She went on to be used by God in a mighty way. She has now written over 40 books. Who knows how many paintings and drawings she sold. And she's dedicated her life to help other people with disabilities. And here's a quote from Johnny. She said, you know, the weaker I am, the harder I must lean on God's grace. The harder I lean on him, the stronger I discover him to be. And the bolder my testimony to his grace. The gospel is a comeback story.